Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. That is 1 Corinthians 12 verses four through six. Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I'm Sandra Flack, grateful to be with you today. How's your summer going? Mine's going pretty well. I'm recording this episode uh, from up at our camp in the Adirondack Mountains of upstate New York, where our family loves to spend time year round. Um, And it's always nourishing to my soul. But at the same time, uh, it can be uh, interesting, challenging, frustrating at times when parenting a kiddo who was prenatally exposed to alcohol. We've had some great days and, um, you know, my right now we're here, just my, my youngest son, my 17-year-old son uh, with FASD and I, and uh, my husband went home for part of the week and he'll be back up for the weekend with us. Um, and we had a great 4th of July holiday time up here with some family, some of our other kiddos joined us, you know, and, and, and for the most part, it's been great, although we did have one incident, shall we say, where we have a hot tub in the kind of downstairs basement type area where we have bunk beds and a ping pong table and things like that. And uh, our, our son went down, was down there. It's not unusual for him to want to go down and sit in the hot tub. It's a great sensory you know, regulating um, activity for him. But at some point while he was down there by himself, he got the idea to take a screwdriver and unscrew the side panel and kind of explore the inner workings of a hot tub, which I didn't even know, like even, I guess, I guess I would assume it existed, but who thinks about that? But he did. And then just decided to touch with the screwdriver a fuse, which blew the fuse. Thankfully, he didn't get shocked or anything like that. But we found out later in the day when my husband went to use it, which he sometimes does when he wakes up early in the morning and can't get back to sleep and um, just wants to relax his muscles. Um, He'll go in and it was no longer, the jets weren't working and the water was not hot anymore. And anyway, long story short, you know, our son said, oh, I blew a fuse. So questioning, you know, how that happened. And he said, well, I, I opened it up and I used a screwdriver and I touched the fuse and the fuse blew, um, you know, but don't worry because I'll pay for it. <laughs> so it's like, you know, of course, my husband said the thing that we, you know, as parents often say, I stop myself from saying it anymore because I find it's pointless. But, you know, why would you do that? What were you thinking? And 
you know, our son was, I don't know, you know, that's the typical answer. And with kids with prenatal alcohol exposure, um, that's really true. They don't always know. Or, um, you know, he doesn't remember the reason why, because now he's being questioned and his, his, uh, his, his brain is focused on, oh, I might be in trouble here. Um, and that's consuming his thoughts and not able to access the reason why. Um, you know, I, I, I was thinking it was maybe curiosity, wanting to see how this thing works. Um, so we just explained that if you are curious about how something works, ask and mom or dad can show you. Um, don't just take it upon yourself to do something like that because something bad could have really happened. Um, so hopefully it's just the $30 fuse and my husband will fix it later today and that's all that the damage was done. But, um, you know, it's a lot of times with our kiddos, there's no rhyme or reason. It doesn't make any sense to us why they would suddenly, and that's just it, that's impulsivity, right? The idea pops into their brain and they don't have the capacity to think through cause and effect and, oh, I shouldn't do this because then this bad thing could happen or, um, you know, that that reasoning and, um, you know, all of those things aren't really going on and they have a difficult time controlling those impulses. So this is the life of, you know, living with an individual with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So last October, I, gosh, last October already, it's that long ago, um, I began a series on the primary characteristics of FASD on this podcast. So sporadically throughout the past several months, I would just take one of the primary symptoms and focus on it for a whole episode. Um, and those, those primary characteristics of FASD include dismaturity, slow processing pace, impulsivity, like I just mentioned, memory problems, difficulty with abstract concepts, um, difficulty predicting outcomes, like, you know, if I, I shouldn't touch this fuse with this screwdriver because then this could happen, um, sensory processing challenges, uh, difficulty generalizing or forming links, um, difficulty with cause and effect, problems with organizing or planning. A lot of these things fall under um, executive function, which is the boss of the brain, which is typically um, very impacted by prenatal alcohol exposure. So today I'm going to finish up the series by focusing on strengths. Yes, sounds sort of opposite, but strengths is a symptom or a primary characteristic of FASD. Uh, the FACETS Neurobehavioral Model, which I am a certified facilitator of, um, FACETS includes strengths as a characteristic, and that's what I'm going to be sharing on today, so stay tuned for that. We're going to dive into that shortly, but first, 
check out these announcements. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. And I've got some online workshops coming up. Um, right around the corner, depending on if you're listening to this on the day it's released on, on Monday the 10th, um, you'll have time for this. But if not, um, you'll have to catch the next one in August. But on Wednesday, July 12th at 1 p.m. Eastern, I'm offering a free online lunch and learn, which is an introduction to FASD workshop. Uh, so you can check out that. And that's a great introduction if, if you yourself are already very well versed in FASD, but maybe, um, you know, the babysitter or your child's school teacher or grandparents or a, your adult children who don't understand their younger siblings, um, the next door neighbor, the Sunday school teacher, the youth group leader, the pastor, whoever is is working with your kids, whoever is um, interacting with them on, on any level, they would really benefit from this online training. It's free, it's an hour, um, and it will really offer them some insight as well as some strategies on how to better um, accommodate and, and support your kiddo. So I highly recommend the Lunch and Learn for not only parents and caregivers, but these other folks in our kids' lives. If you are looking to go a little bit deeper into FASD, on Thursday, July 20th, I have a three-hour deep dive using the FACETS neurobehavioral model. That is at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Now, if you're July is busy and maybe you're looking into August, we've got a couple on the calendar there. I'm offering an introduction to FASD on Thursday, August 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's basically the lunch and learn, but instead of doing it at lunchtime, I'm offering one in the evening for folks who can't access that you know, can't do a workshop during the day because they they work or whatever. So it's a it's an intro to FASD Thursday, August 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern, and I'm offering another three-hour deep dive. Um, on Saturday morning, let's see, that will be, goodness gracious, I don't have the time. Let me check the time for you on that. Ah, here it is. Here it is. Saturday morning, August 19th from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time. So that's the three-hour deep dive. You don't have to take the intro in order to take the three-hour deep dive because we cover um, the basics in the three hour, um, plus we go deeper. So we, I also offer more extensive uh, deep dives into FASD, um, a whole weekend's worth, 18 hours worth, um, whatever you're interested in. 
Those options are also on our website. We do offer certificates of completion for all of our workshops. So if you need um, need them for your foster care, you know, continuing training, um, whatever you might need it for, we do we do email you a certificate um, of completion for whatever workshop you do. And um, if you are a social worker licensed in New York State, we also offer CEUs as well. So to register for any of these online workshops or to check out um, all of our available trainings, uh, visit our website, justicefororphansny.org, and click on training. Scroll down and you'll see the registration tab. Registration is for those workshops that you can currently register for. So even the free lunch and learn or the free intro um, to FASD, you need to register for so you get the Zoom link so that you can participate. Um, there is a link to our website in the show notes for this episode, so you can easily just go there and click if you want to um, register or check it out right away. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode, and so other adoptive foster and kinship caregivers can easily find the show and be encouraged and equipped too. We'd really appreciate it, especially if you're if you listen on um, through your Apple device. If you would leave a review, um, so subscribe, follow, whatever platform you know, whatever that looks like on the platform that you listen to, um, that's really, really a huge blessing. Um, to us to be able to let people know that this podcast is relevant, it's important, uh, and it makes it easier for folks who need it to find it. So now to our conversation about strengths today. You know, God created each individual with strengths, gifts, talents, right? Including our kids who have trauma histories, and those who were prenatally exposed to alcohol or other drugs, including people with any type of disability, right? God created each one of his children special, and he wired each one of us with special abilities, right? We are his masterpieces created in his image, and he gives us gifts and talents and wires us in a certain way for the purposes and plans he created us for. And I know sometimes with our kiddos um, with FASD, right, or and even trauma, those big behaviors sort of cloud that, get in the way of that, and it's hard for us to focus on the good and the positive when there's so many challenges and frustrations and difficulties and, and other things that we're working on. And we can be very frustrated at times with our kiddos. And, and um, you know, I know a long, long, long time ago with the first child that came into our home um, through a kinship placement, uh, we had we had no, we didn't have adoption or foster care on our radar, but we had three biological kids. And then there was a relative child that needed a place to live. And we opened our home to her and eventually we did adopt her. But we had no, because of the way she came in, we had no formal training, didn't understand trauma, didn't understand any anything. We didn't know what we didn't know, right? And so we were ill-equipped for the trauma that she did have and the and the possible probable prenatal exposure that she did have and it, it was hard she was hard and and difficult and i found myself at times 
you know, feeling like a horrible Christian and a horrible mom because a lot of times I didn't like her. And it was because of those behaviors, but I didn't understand where they came from. Now, decades later now that I've had lots of training and experience and several more adopted children, um, I've come to understand the impact that trauma um, and prenatal exposure has on um, a, a developing baby and, and, and childhood, right? So now I understand it. And I will say, in case you're not a regular listener to this podcast, um, that child is now in her 30s and we have a wonderful relationship. But I had to do a lot of repair and rebuilding and um, you know, applying TBRI and applying even some of the facets model, um, even to her as an adult has worked. So, um, you know, these things make it really, really challenging to sometimes see past the negative or the difficult to see the treasure inside of them. But that's what we're going to talk about today. I find with kids with FASD, they already know what they're not good at, right? They have so many obstacles that they deal with every day. And they end up in trouble a lot, Um, especially if the adults in their lives do not understand fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. They don't understand. If we don't understand the impact that um, FASD or um, even trauma has on the brain, you know, and how, how, it, how it impacts them, um, then we tend to set, we can set unrealistic expectations um, on, on our kiddos, which then becomes very frustrating for them and for us, the adults around them. Alcohol especially affects the structure and the function of the brain, which results in a spectrum of symptoms, like I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, And when those symptoms are not properly accommodated and supported, then resulting behaviors can look like disobedience, defiance, opposition, rebellion, violence, anger, and so on. And if we're not familiar with FASD and its symptoms, um, you know, Actually, that, that's where I would highly recommend you go. If, if you're not familiar, like if you, if, if kind of those symptoms that I mentioned at the top of the show, um, if you're not familiar with those, go back and listen to um, the other episodes of this podcast where I focused, uh, I focused on each symptom, um, one symptom per episode, right? Because if we don't understand those, um, we see these other behaviors and we just think that they're, you know, behaviors that we have to punish and consequence and discipline out of our kiddos, which really, really never works. Um, so go back and, and, and focus on those because kids with FASD have countless talents and strengths that we may miss if we're looking at those bigger, more difficult behaviors. And again, a lot of times that those those bigger difficult behaviors could very well be um, happening because if we as the parent or caregiver do not understand, or or the special ed teacher or whoever's working with our kids, if 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 it's if we do not understand the impact that 
FASD uh, prenatal exposure has on our kiddos. And, and in case you're not a regular listener all the time and you're wondering why is she talking about FASD so much, this is an adoption and foster care podcast. Well, it's because one in 20 school age children in the United States has been prenatally exposed to alcohol, one in 20. That means there's at least one child in every single classroom in the United States who's been prenatally exposed. And there's a disproportionate number of those children in the child welfare system. If you are parenting a child who's been in foster care, uh, you adopted domestically or you adopted internationally, or you're a kinship caregiver, right? If mom, if birth mom was ever using drugs or alcohol, during her pregnancy, then you have a child who was prenatally exposed, which affects their brain during development, which causes the structure and the function of the brain to be affected. So you have to understand how the brain works and how prenatal exposure affects the brain and then what those symptoms are so that you understand, oh, this is that. Most of these kiddos aren't getting diagnosed. Doctors do not like to diagnose um, children because they don't want to stigmatize them. They don't want to stigmatize birth parents. Um, and also doctors don't really, co- this is not covered in medical school, we're finding. I've talked to a couple of doctors who specialize in FASD now who shared that they didn't cover this or they read a, para, a paragraph in a medical book during medical school, or they got 10 minutes out of a lecture in medical school. So it's it's vastly undiagnosed or misdiagnosed. Like our kiddos always get the ADHD. Sometimes they even get an autism diagnosis um, or a whole, you know, oppositional defiance disorder, reactive attachment disorder. They get all of these other alphabet soup diagnoses which may or may not be accurate, but most likely do come under the umbrella of a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So if you are a foster, adoptive, or kinship caregiver, it is statistically highly likely you are parenting a child that was prenatally exposed. Unless you absolutely know for a fact that they were not, we can assume they were, uh, especially if maybe you know that mom used some drugs, but you but nobody asked about alcohol, right? Well, the damage caused in utero to the developing baby's brain is actually more significant and longer lasting than damage caused by other drugs, okay? So this is something that every foster and adoptive and kinship caregiver absolutely must know about is fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, its symptoms, and how to accommodate. And I cover all of that um, on, you know, we talk about FASD a lot on this show, even though it's not solely about FASD. It's, I'm thinking at this point in life, it's probably about 90% of the time we're talking about it. Um, I'm a mom of two uh, teenage boys who were diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome when they were little. So this is where You know, the more I have learned over the years, the more passionate I have become. And when we don't understand the symptoms, or maybe we're just learning, or maybe our kiddo did get a diagnosis and we're trying to figure out, 
you know, now what do I do? Because that's what happened in my family. My boys were little, they got diagnosed, but the developmental pediatrician who did diagnose them did not offer any resources or supports or any kind of hope. And when I, you know, over a decade ago, went home and searched it on the internet, I found very scary nightmare scenario, um, you know, information and decided that wasn't going to happen to our family and stopped even looking at it because it was just doom and gloom. Now, fast forward so many years later, so much more research has been done. Not enough, but it's being done. um, And more training is available. And that's why, you know, myself and and JFO are passionate about providing training and, and workshops and resources because there's just not enough out there. Yet the vast number, a vast number of children in out-of-home placements, right, in adoptive foster kinship placements um, are, have been prenatally exposed. And if we're not accommodating adequately, then we're going to not only see the primary symptoms, but we can make matters worse, which then result in those big behaviors that we see, which are actually secondary symptoms, um, that frustration, that anger, the meltdowns, the opposition, problems in school, problems at home, running away, um, aggression, depression, all of those things are actually secondary symptoms of an FASD when primary symptoms aren't adequately supported. We begin to see those difficult behaviors and then we're trying to correct those difficult behaviors, which really are the result of a very frustrated child or kiddo because they're not being accommodated. They are looked at like they will not cooperate when really their brain cannot meet the expectations that are often set on them. So all of those big behaviors, all of that frustration, all of that going on can often block out or cause us as parents and caregivers to miss the strengths our kiddos have, those talents, their potential, right? So that's why I want to focus on strengths today. It is it is a characteristic of FASD. Um, and our kiddos have countless, a countless variety of talents and gifts and strengths, right? So be thinking about things like, you know, they can be artistic, they can be mechanical, comical, maybe they're really good with little kids, maybe they're really good with computers, um, good with animals or the elderly, they're, maybe they're musical, they, they sing beautifully or um, can play an instrument, uh, they, they, maybe they love to work with plants or landscaping, uh, maybe they're physically strong, right? Maybe they're they're designed, built like a, a gymnast or something. Um, maybe they love to cook or bake. Um, maybe they're very athletic and gifted in, 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 in athletics, creative, social, you name it, right? You name it. And here's the key. Whatever it is, whatever the gift, whatever the talent, whatever the strength may be, by focusing on it, by focusing on their strengths, on what they are good at, what they love doing, we can actually see some of those challenging behaviors decrease and we can begin to see our kids thrive and flourish 
when we nurture those strengths within them. Maybe you've seen that video of uh, the boy, there's a boy named Josh with autism. He was diagnosed with autism, I think, when he was about 18 months old. He was nonverbal, so he had a lot of, um, you know, speech therapy, OTPT, like all of the things. Um, and his therapist was very frustrated one day because he just was not responding to any of the things that they were trying. So um, they turned on some music and that music just lit something up in Josh. Um, So they started using music with all of his therapies. And all of a sudden, this nonverbal boy began to sing. By the age of four, he was singing on stage, competitively, but still nonverbal, not talking a word, but he could sing, like gifted sing, right? But um, eventually over time, because they were nurturing this gift within him, nurturing this strength, he did begin to not just sing, but speak words and then eventually sentences and then full conversations, right? Singing was his strength. Now, this is a a young boy with autism, um, but it's the same for any individual, um, you know, with, with a disability, with FASD, with trauma, you know, whatever it may be, by focusing more on his strengths and less on what he could not do. And that's usually what we do, right? We're always fix, We're always trying to, at, at school and with therapies and at home, we're always trying to get them to do what they can't do or what they're not good at, or you have to be able to do this, or you have to try harder at that, right? But by kind of backing off, not like completely throwing it out, not ever expecting them to work on anything that needs to be worked on, but by kind of pulling back on focusing so much on the negatives and focusing more on the positives, more on the strengths, more at what they can do successfully and what they love to do and what seems to shine forth in them, then, you know, with with this boy, with Josh, he experienced success. He experienced that thrill and that joy of being good at something. And our kids are often struggling. You know, they go to school every day and and they know they're going to face a day full of this is hard, this is hard because they can't often do what they're expected to do. This is challenging, and they they spend whole days in frustration, oftentimes, right? And if you're a homeschool parent, you know that feeling because you're feeling that frustration too, right? But to be able to focus on what they're good at, and in this case with Josh, by focusing on him being able to sing instead of being so focused on what he couldn't do, which was actually talk, eventually the talking came, right? It's like the gift, the strength sort of nurtured, ministered to that area of weakness and the area of weakness began to come along, right? He made progress. So everyone with a disability also has abilities, right? At least one strength. They have abilities and we need to focus on and nurture those abilities, which will oftentimes improve some of those disabilities, right? Um, and And we have to start looking for those in our kids, especially if we have a hard time seeing those things because we're so focused on the hard stuff, 
the difficult stuff, right? One of my kiddos, um, we adopted him when he was three years old at, I believe he was probably seven or eight when he got his FAS diagnosis. Um, But he was always this little social guy, Um, tiny because of, partially because of prenatal exposure, also because of um, malnutrition and things. He was adopted internationally from an orphanage. He'd spent all of the first three years of his life in that orphanage, but yet he came to us with this big personality. So even though he was this little tiny, so cute person that everybody was drawn to all the time, like a magnet, people would just you know, when he was little, of course, because he was so cute, but he just has always had this super big personality and he's social. Um, He would, and that's a gift, right? That's one of his strengths. He's social. He would talk to anyone, right? Um, When he was really little, if he saw, you know, we would go out to the local diner and if we were sitting there eating our breakfast and there were some police officers in another booth, he would get up and go over and sit with them and chat away with them. And of course, they loved it, um, you know, because here's this little kid, and he always wanted to be a police officer or a firefighter. And he was just this little tiny thing. And we with his, with his diagnosis and with his um, severe scoliosis and other things that were going on physically, we felt like, you know, those things would be always out of reach to him. But he just had this big personality. Um, and today, he's a volunteer firefighter, right? Um and and he'll he'll do things like a lot, a lot of kids are are shy and don't want to talk to people they don't know but at work or at home if he's working on a project at home because he's very mechanical that's another strength very mechanical loved legos as a little kid loved um, building things, um, loved, like when he was super little, Bob the Builder, remember that show? I don't even know if it still exists, but um, he was always like, that was the, that was his, his, his go-to show. Um, loved anything like that. Um, and then, you know, started doing some woodworking. He could make those cornhole boards. And my husband would nurture those things because he was little and didn't know how to do them. But my husband always had him you know, alongside him doing these things with him. I, he was, he was, um, we were putting an addition on our home and um, he, he's just so tiny, but you know, the, the guys working had tool belts with their hammers and their screwdrivers and all of their things. Well, he wanted a tool belt so badly. So we actually, I ordered one, a kid, it was a leather kid's tool belt was still like way too big for him because we're talking tiny, like Right now, he's almost 20 years old and doesn't even weigh 100 pounds um, and is only five foot tall. So nothing ever fits. He's very tiny. Um, And I had to like, we had to modify it to fit it to him. But he wore that thing with his little tools in there and all of that. And, um, you know, that was that was just, you know, at the time it was cute, but not realizing now you know, he, he builds things, he makes things. This is this, these are where some of his, his strengths and his talents are, right? Like I said, he's mechanical, he can weld. Now he flips golf carts, not, not flips them over, but he'll, he likes to, he goes on Facebook marketplace, or he goes, you know, wherever he sees old used golf carts, and he'll, he saves his money, and he'll buy them. And then he knows how to 
call, you know, the golf cart place and order parts or go online and order parts. And then he'll, you know, replace the batteries and replace the tires. And he'll, you know, he's learning the wiring and he, you know, he knows how to order new body parts and new seats. And he, he rebuilds these golf carts and makes them look so new and cool um, that, you know, then he turns around and sells them. So he flips them like, like, like you'd flip a house, he flips golf carts. Um, and, and, you know, those are his strengths. Those are some things that he's good at. And he gets to hear that positive feedback that, you know, I mean, he still has all of his FASD challenges, right? He has a hard time with managing his time. He has a hard time getting up for work in the morning. So where everybody else is there at seven, he'll go in more like eight o'clock, but then he stays an hour later, right? So he, uh, you know, there's still accommodations that he needs for certain areas and certain things. And I've talked about them before um, on, on this show. But by nurturing his strengths and his curiosity and his interest when he was littler, now he's doing all of these other things and he has these amazing talents and abilities. But at the same time, he has these amazing strengths, but at the same time, he still has symptoms of his FASD that he'll always need help and supports with, right? And that's like there's this huge contrast all the time that seems like it shouldn't be that way, but that's part of the FASD. One of my daughters was very good with elderly people. She was just drawn to elderly people when she was little. Um, She had compassion and genuine love. She enjoyed being with elderly people. Out of high school, she began working at a nursing home. And this was such a good job for her. She would come home and tell these stories about the residents there. Um, she got attached to those residents. She loved them. She would come home and, you know, just laugh about, you know, this one said that and, you know, this one was doing this. And, and she just loved it there. But it was also a good job for her because it was very routine right? Because the residents in a nursing home are on a routine, right? Breakfast is served at a certain time. Medication is given at a certain time. They get dressed at a certain time. They do this at a certain time. Lunch. So, so it was, it worked perfectly for her brain because it was routine every day, although it was interesting. And and because the, the residents were, you know, entertaining to say the least, it was a job that she thrived in. So what are your kiddos strengths if you're not sure yet start observing what they like what activities are they naturally good at what do they love to do you know like i said one of my boys loved legos as a kid he builds things now as a young adult but one of my other boys my 17 year old son hated legos and anything involving fine motor skills no interest in building things, no interest in, you know, anything hands-on like that. And I'm honestly still prayerfully watching for what he might be good at, what what might be a good fit for him for employment down the road. Um, you know, one of his strengths is that he's physically strong, like built like a Ukrainian gymnast, right? Like an athlete. Yet he's not cut out for construction, like his brother, um, but construction happens to be our family business. Um, but yet, it's he doesn't thrive in that environment at all. He's more severely impacted um, by the FASD, um, and it's just not a good fit for him in a lot of ways. Um, 
He actually prefers and does better in the business office with the secretaries doing some clerical duties, right? Now, our secretary is phenomenal. She understands FASD. She has a relative who is um, a foster and adoptive parent and has kiddos with an FASD. So I've been able to share a lot with her and and he just does so well there, you know, and, and um, you know, he, he, he can run the shredder and shred. They have lots of documents all the time that need to be shredded. Um, he, th- they've got him using a Sharpie marker to cross out account numbers on old checks that businesses have to keep like forever in a day. Um, so they cross out, um, you know, the, the certain information. So they've taught him how to do that. He can do certain kinds of filing. Um, you know, he requires one-on-one supports for almost all tasks at home, at school, and at work, but he's more regulated in the office environment than out on a construction site. So we could be like, look at dude, you're strong, you're physically fit, you know, we have this family business, you're gonna work out in the construction field when you're older because this is this is the best the best thing. But it's not the best thing for him because that's not his strength. That's not where he thrives. It's more frustrating and overstimulating and too much sensory input. But being in a quiet office environment, that's where he thrives, even though the FASD makes it challenging for him in a lot of academic areas. He still can learn and do some of these clerical duties, right? Um, and, and yes, he is physically strong, and that is a talent. And and uh, for a season, he was going to in our area. There's a um, a ninja warrior lab, um, and he excelled there. Um, when we first started homeschooling him post COVID. Um, I took him there because they had a homeschooling day where homeschoolers could go and do the Ninja Warrior Lab for an hour. And he thrived there. Um, But then the following year, when I was all ready to sign him up again, they changed the day of the week and it didn't fit for other things that he was doing. So we weren't able to continue that at that time. But that is, you know, that was a, a, a strength that he had. And that's the kind of thing that we need to look at. How can we nurture those strengths um, and 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 cultivate that. You know, I know a family whose um, teen daughter is gifted with a beautiful singing voice and she loves to act. She loves drama. She can memorize her lines and all of that. And so her family has sought out opportunities to cultivate those talents for her. You know, she has a really hard time in school because of her disability, a very hard time socially because of the disability, um, is in trouble all of the time in that environment, which is not a great fit. But yet she can feel success and feel good at something, right, which builds up her self-esteem um, and when when she's able to sing and act. So by allowing her and providing opportunities for her to do that, it is it is so good, you know, it, it, when we do that for our kids, it improves their mental health, it improves their self-esteem, their well-being, their, their how they view themselves. Um, and, and that can cause improvements, you know, straight across the board in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think back to when we homeschooled our kiddos, you know, back in the day when all of my kids were home, um, you know, even my neurotypical, you know, kids, um, one of them, when he was, you know, probably a preteen, 
loved the Lord of the Rings back when, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies were coming out all the time. He like, you know, I think he thought he was Frodo for a very, you know, couple of years there. Um, <laughs> I actually found a homeschool curriculum that used the Lord of the Rings books um, and also included vocabulary, spelling, science, and art all from the books, right? His vocabulary words and his spelling words were words from the Lord of the Rings books. Um, each like unit of the book of the of the curriculum was a different book from the series. Um, so he was reading those books and you know, using those books for language arts activities and art and science and things like that. And he loved it. Also, from our homeschooling days, um, one of my daughters was gifted, um, the one that was gifted caring for the elderly also loved animals. So she did unit studies on horses, on dogs, on butterflies, whatever it was, she thrived if there was animals involved, right? Focusing on the strengths of our kids with FASD is pretty much the same thing as that, right? Homeschool families are often really good at those unit studies and things that, you know, spark an interest in our kids and then we let them go deeper in those areas. This is very similar to that. Focusing on the strengths of our kids, um, you know, it's vital. What activities do they light up while doing? Where do they thrive, right? Is it dirt bike riding or skateboarding or maybe cooking or baking or horticulture or woodworking, fashion or interior design, singing and dancing or, you know, both of those things. Maybe it's dog training or grooming. Whatever causes them to light up, let them light up and shine in that area. Nurture it and please don't use it as a punishment you know, like if you do all of your homework all week long and don't get into any trouble, then you can go to music lessons or then you can ride your dirt bike or go to the ninja lab or whatever it is, right? Don't do that, right? Because they deal, um, they, they deal with disappointment, disappointment so much. And using these things as punishments or consequences, you know, that might work okay with our neurotypical biological kids, but it backfires on us with our adopted or fostered neurodiverse kids, right? They need the positive reinforcement and the endorphins that these strengths-based activities provide. Depriving our kids of them does not help, right? It's not going to get the homework done. It's not going to get the chores done, right? The homework issue may very well be something that isn't even reasonable. It's not a reasonable expectation for our kiddos with FASD to be in school having to perform all day and hold it together and their brain has to, you know, focus and listen and learn and remember to do all of the things. And by the time they get home from school, their brain is pretty much done. But if they're expected to sit and do hours worth of homework and you're having meltdowns and frustrations and aggression and all of those things. Homework is great maybe for a neurotypical kid, but a kid with an FASD, they're done and you're not going to get much more out of it and then if out of them. And then if you're using what their strengths are and what they love to do as a consequence or a punishment because because really 
realistically their brain couldn't do that ex- meet that expectation, then you're just this downward spiral of frustration, right? We need to let them shine. We they need it's like taking that child, you know, who cannot sit still in school and because they cannot sit still they get a consequence and they have to go either sit in the classroom or sit in the office of the school while their class goes out for PE or out for playground time. Like they don't get to go to recess because they couldn't sit still in class. Like that is the complete opposite of what needs to be done because probably that kid who can't sit still in class needs more than one recess in PE a day anyway in order to learn, right? So it's that kind of thing. Um, we got to figure out, is this a reasonable expectation for my child, especially if my kiddo has an FASD or trauma or all of the above, right? We need to start tailoring their school day to what their brain and bodies can do instead of always expecting them to do things that really they cannot do, right? I like to think of discovering our kids' strengths as like mining for gold, right? God buried treasure in them. We can be instrumental in discovering it and cultivating it and nurturing it. And when we do, our kids will shine. They will, they will thrive. So I hope this week you are now inspired to begin mining for gold in your kiddo. Maybe having a different perspective on nurturing those gifts and talents and strengths, not, not using them as a, a system of reward and punishment, not um, you know putting them on the back burner because they have to be able to learn to read at a higher level or they have to be able to get their homework done or whatever it is. We need to focus more on those strengths back off a little bit on the things that are challenging for them and you, and you may very well see improvement in those areas when you're building on those strengths. And, you know, another thing here is, you know, building connection, right? That's a big part of trust-based relational intervention, right? Building connection with our kids. And when our kids have a strength and we're allowing them to pursue those interests and we pursue those interests with them, you know, it builds connection. Like when my one son who liked to build things was little and he wanted to build a cornhole, you know, those cornhole wooden things that you throw the beanbags into, um, you know, he and my husband went online and looked at and looked up a, um, you know, building plan for them, like a blueprint on how to build one. Then they went to the hardware store together, the lumber store, and bought the materials together. And then they, you know, spent evenings in the garage building it together. And then after they built the first one to first set together, because there's like two, right? Um, my son was then able to start doing th- those on his own and he would build them for other people who wanted to order one and buy buy a set from him, that kind of thing. So, but all while they were, you know, my husband was nurturing that strength in our son. Also, they were building connection in their relationship. So nurturing strengths and building connection improves other areas in, in you know, where, where some of the behaviors and some of the difficulties um, you know, we're appearing can, can actually, you know, decrease those 
more difficult behaviors and difficult situations. So, um, you know, it's a win-win for the the child and the parent. Um, and I believe when our kids thrive in the areas that God created them and designed them, you know, to do, God gets the glory there too. So I hope that you will start mining for gold in your kiddos. Thank you for listening to the adoption and foster care journey today. I hope you were inspired. And, um, you know, if you haven't already uh, listened to those other 10 episodes, please be sure to check them out. Um, They're kind of sort of um, scattered throughout the past several months of uh, our podcast library. So if you scroll through all of our episodes, they are labeled as primary characteristics of FASD. And you'll be able to listen to, um, including this one, there'll be 11 of them that you can listen through and and check out. Um, So I hope you do that. Along with inspiring you, we also like to equip you for your parenting journey. If you would like to learn more about FASD, how to apply the neurobehavioral model to accommodate your kiddos for success, you'll want to take advantage of our training. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we've got some online workshops coming up um, this month in July, as well as in August. To register for any of those workshops or to check out all of our available resources, visit our website at justicefororphansny.org. We've included a link in the show notes to the website so you can easily check it out. If you are interested in booking an online or in-person workshop for your group, um, for your agency, or maybe you want a consultation call with me, a Zoom call, just for yourself um, to help you know, to, to learn more about FASD and how to apply it specifically, apply the neurobehavioral model um, with your children, you can contact me through our website or by email. You can email me at sandraflack at justicefororphansny.org. Also, remember the Hope for the FASD Journey virtual support community is also here. Um, we are a, a whole group of parents um, journeying with you on this unique parenting journey. Um, so you're not going to be going it alone. There's a whole group of us who are parenting children who are prenatally exposed. We've got kiddos from littles all the way to young adults, and we talk about all of the things. So um, you'll want to check that out. Again, details are on our website. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to let us know by subscribing or following um, this podcast and let your fellow adoptive and fostering friends know about the show so that they can listen and be encouraged and equipped too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. I'm also there myself at Sandra Flack. Um, and I'm grateful that you stayed the course. If you're still listening, if you haven't zoned out yet, um, I am grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today. I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. 
and check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.